Fifteen years ago this month, the Cato Institute launched the Cato Daily Podcast, and to mark the occasion, we're hoping to give you a token of our appreciation and ask a small favor. Visit cato.org slash cdp15 to get a pair of vinyl Cato Daily Podcast stickers in the mail and give one of them to a friend who might enjoy timely libertarian perspectives on issues of the day. That website, again, is cato.org slash cdp15. And now more than ever, thank you for listening. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 17th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Policing reform is now working its way through Congress and among the items on the table, an end to qualified immunity. Clark Neely, Vice President for Criminal Justice at the Cato Institute, discusses the sticking points, the other policy changes worth considering, and if any Republicans might endorse ending a system of near-zero accountability for police. There is a policing bill moving its way through Congress right now. What's in it? What are the sticking points? Well, as is so often the case, I think it really comes down to whether the law enforcement lobby is going to succeed in offloading a bunch of meaningless window dressing or whether we're going to actually get real reform this time. The real reform would, of course, involve repealing or at least substantially paring back qualified immunity, which is a judge-made defense that makes it very difficult to hold police and other government officials accountable when they engage in misconduct. The um, uh, law enforcement lobby is adamantly against any real change to qualified immunity. And what they've essentially done is offered up uh, some other possibilities that sound like they might have some significance, but they really wouldn't. Okay. So what's some of the window dressing here? Yeah. So some of the window dressing would be, for example, uh, limiting the kind of equipment that police departments can get for free from the, de the defense department, uh, limiting the use of chokeholds, uh, except for truly life-threatening circumstances, um, some limits perhaps on, on using no-knock warrants, things of that nature. The reason why – those are all perfectly fine and good reforms. The problem is they're utterly toothless without some mechanism for holding police accountable. So if we have some new limits on no-knock warrants and the police simply ignore them, as they often do, what are you going to do about it, right? So without real reform on the accountability side, the uh, law enforcement lobby knows that they can offer up all of this other stuff and not really have to worry that you know it will actually require any change in behavior on their part because why? Because it's toothless and there's no real way to hold them accountable if they flaunt these new limits as their own past conduct suggests that oftentimes they will. Uh, Cory Booker, uh, a Democrat, is one of the people who's actively involved in this effort, as is uh, Democratic Representative Karen Bass. Bass uh, said in an article for uh, Bloomberg, uh, just today, as of as of this recording, she said House Democrats insist that the legal shield for individual officers be eliminated. She's referring to qualified immunity. That seems to be the pretty a pretty big sticking point in two narrowly divided houses of Congress. Well, it certainly is, and I think it's no accident because what we're really talking about here is the difference between real reform, which the law enforcement community. By and large, although there have been some some notable uh, recent um, you know sort of departures um, by certain groups within the law enforcement community, but on balance, the law enforcement community is um, very strongly beholden uh, to not having any meaningful accountability. I think there are now 
some members of Congress who very clearly understand, you know, the sort of the game that has been played on them so many times in the past, and they have really dug in their heels on qualified immunity because I think at least some of them get that if you don't have true accountability, if you don't eliminate qualified immunity, the law enforcement community can agree to just about anything else and good luck enforcing it. Uh, my U.S. senator, uh, a the senior senator from Kentucky, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, says that qualified immunity for individual officers, uh, he says, without it, officer recruitment and retention will falter. He says, quote, I think qualified immunity is important to be continued, and I don't think I'm going to be supporting a police reform bill without it. So, and, and in some sense, he may well be speaking for most, if not all, Republicans in the Senate. Yeah. No, I'm just surprised he left out the carnivorous face-eating unicorns uh, because those are a real concern, too, if we get rid of qualified immunity. And there's exactly as much empirical support uh, for the concerns that Senator McConnell listed as there is for the possibility that we would be beset uh, by face-eating carnivorous unicorns. It's all fantasy. There's no empirical basis to support any of the concerns uh, that anybody uh, who opposes the elimination of qualified immunity uh, has floated. These are all just empty talking points um, that, unfortunately, I think uh, the law enforcement uh, lobby has been uh, very uh, proficient in sort of putting out there and convincing at least some members of Congress to take seriously when, in fact, no person should take them seriously. They are unserious. You talked about empirical evidence. Uh, one of the issues here, it relates to whether or not local police departments will provide detailed information about their various activities, including no-knock warrants. I spoke with uh, Stuart Buck of Arnold Ventures recently about the quality of data about criminal justice at all levels, and it's quite poor. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, just trying to figure out something as simple as um, how often do police shoot and kill people, that information had to be cobbled together by journalists, uh, including uh, some, some excellent reporting from the Washington Post, where they were literally looking at things like hospital admissions and death certificates. Why? Because the police don't collect systematically information on something as fundamental as how many times they shoot and kill people. So when we're talking about other things like you know, uh, lower stakes, things like how many times they execute no-knock warrants um, and uh, how many times they use force when interacting with citizens. You can mandate all the data collection you want till the cows come home, but good luck actually forcing them to do it uh, and actually being able to, to you know, get useful data. Um, probably you're seeing a, a theme in my, in my reaction to some of the so-called reforms that have been proposed. Without accountability, they are meaningless. You don't do vote counting, you do policy, but are there Republican lawmakers uh, in the Senate that you believe are gettable specifically on that issue of qualified immunity? Oh, I definitely think there are some Republicans uh, who are quite favorably inclined uh, towards qualified immunity. Um, you know, the, those of us who, who favor eliminating or at least substantially reforming it have offered up a number of very significant compromises, including uh, potentially creating a kind of a safe harbor for police officers who act in genuine good faith. If they really thought what they were doing was uh, consistent with departmental policy or consistent you know, with some statute or court ruling, uh, then we'd be perfectly willing um, to, to carve out you know, uh, a safe harbor for those uh, police officers. The the sort of the elephant in the room here is that um, it is precisely when they act unreasonably. It's precisely when they 
violate people's rights wantonly that police most need and have most come to depend on the defense of qualified immunity. And so even when you know people on our side offer up such a significant compromise and say, look, let's we'll take you at your word. If, if you really think that this is an important defense for protecting police who act in good faith, great. Police who act in good faith will continue uh, to have you know, this shield, but we are going to take it away from police who act in bad faith and who wantonly violate people's rights. And I think it's not a surprise that 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 has not been apparently at this to this point hugely appealing to the law enforcement community because they know perfectly well when qualified immunity provides the most protection for them. And it's precisely when they act the worst. James Craven here at the Cato Institute wrote a blog post recently. Police officers never learn clearly established law. So clearly established law being the language that was adopted effectively by the Supreme Court in allowing qualified immunity to uh, exist. What does it mean that police officers don't learn what clearly established law is? Yeah, well, with apologies to Jeremy Bentham, uh, the Supreme Court's factual uh premises upon which they have built qualified immunity um, really represent just nonsense upon stilts. Uh, one of the assumptions that the Supreme Court makes um, in, in kind of fashioning this doctrine of qualified immunity is that police officers stay up at night poring over the decisions of the Supreme Court and the local federal courts of appeals so they can be uh, up to speed and up to date on the very latest holdings of the federal courts. Our friend Professor Joanna Schwartz has just written an article in which she demonstrates um, what no one, which should surprise no one, which is that this is an utter fantasy. It is not how things work. Police essentially receive a baseline level of training on things like use of force um, and you know Fourth Amendment search requirements, things like that. And they don't really receive a lot of additional training after that. They're certainly not getting uh, regular sort of updates on what the courts have said about the sort of the contours of the law in various areas where they operate. So the idea that uh, police are you know in the dark about what they can or cannot do until the Supreme Court or a federal court of appeals hands down an opinion describing exactly what the you know where the contours are with respect to a particular situation like you know when you can use lethal force against a suspect under what circumstances it's just not consistent with reality that police are pouring over these opinions so that they can stay up to speed and as a result, the clearly established requirement, this idea that unless you can show that it's it's been clearly established by a prior case that a particular act is unlawful, um, there's just no confluence between that and reality because police are not being trained on that. And it, it's yet another kind of rationalization that the Supreme Court has offered um, for this qualified immunity doctrine that it invented out of whole cloth. And as I suggested at the beginning of this response, not one of the Supreme Court's factual premises about the need for qualified immunity or the realities of being a police officer has any basis in reality. Clark Neely is Vice President for Criminal Justice at the Cato Institute. It's our 15th anniversary this month at the Cato Daily Podcast. In appreciation to our listeners, we have a small gift for you. Visit cato.org slash cdp15 to learn more.